Hey, welcome to New Hope Underground. And we are back talking about first and second Peter. We're in second Peter now. And uh, this is the series that we called Hope for the Scattered. And if you don't remember why we call it that, it's because Peter is writing to lots of Christians scattered all over the empire at the time and uh, trying to bring hope to them. So here we are in second Peter. Uh, we just got started uh Tyler Sturkey uh, preached last week, and I think he, you might have heard his podcast talking about Second uh, Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be in chapter 2 today, and today I have a guest with me. It's Jeremy Bridges. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Darren. How's it going? Hey, it's the first time you've been on this. Yep. This is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm so excited because I know you got a fire for the word, and we're going to have a good discussion. We always have good discussions yep. every time we talk about the Bible, so I was like, hey, that's what this podcast is all about, so why not do it in, uh, in front of the mics? So I'm glad Jeremy's here with, the, and we're going to look at. Actually, we're going to look at the end of chapter one in Second Peter, starting with about verse 16, and then going through 2:22. Um, one thing I want to note real quick, and I almost feel ashamed I didn't really pick up on this for some reason. It's, it's taken me a while to pick up on this, but I was looking at uh, when we were going through chapter one. I was looking at verse 14 in particular. And Peter actually makes a statement in verse 14 that he knows he's close to death. And he says that Jesus revealed that to him. So, you know, we know the you know from church tradition that he was crucified upside down. Um, but uh, it says that. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, John, I've got a note about it too. John 21, 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself mm-hmm. and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this is in the context of his, he's been reinstated. So to yeah. quote unquote, after feeding, you know, feed after my the lands. denials. Yep. Yep. Three denials. And then three feed my lands. Um, and then, uh, there's talk of, uh, John, like being able to live to his old age. Um, and he def- like, how come he gets to live? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely in that context of, of, of his death. And that's what, that's what I was thinking of on yeah. Sunday. Whenever. So, so Jesus prophesies the fact he's going to be crucified. Yeah. And uh, Peter is crucified upside down because he, at least by church tradition, it said that because he did not want to be crucified like Jesus. Yep. Didn't feel like he was worthy enough to be. And that's really uh, incredible. But here, what's fascinating in Second in Peter is he states directly that it's coming to an end now. And Jesus has told him that he's coming to an end. You know, like he's getting, he's getting close to his crucifixion and he knows it. That's what's crazy. Yeah, there's, um, in my preparation for this, there's one... Um, seems appropriate to add it now that between this second Peter and second um, Timothy, um, they're both kind of share that same quality that they're, they both know that the end is near. Yeah. It's interesting that Paul does in Timothy. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the thing. And it just got me thinking as we're getting ready to look at this, this chapter here, uh, one sixteen through 222, as we get ready to read, um, I, I, I just kind of want to have in the back of our minds as we're reading, as you're listening, Okay, or reading along with us, hopefully you get your Bible open, to just have this in the back of your mind that Peter is writing this knowing full well he's about to die. In other words, what would, and I got to thinking to myself, what would I write you know, to the people that matter the most to me if I knew time was of the essence? Yeah. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, it's kind of a tang- jump in. It's kind of a tangent, but um, we do devotions at work every, every day, and we do a rotation, uh-huh. and it was mine today. Um, and, uh, it was the, the context verse was like Genesis fifteen twelve talking about the promise of Abraham, Abraham goes in deep, deep sleep. And then, um, the promise, you know, basically didn't come about for another 400 years. <clears throat> and, and the whole point was about waiting and relying on God's promise, um, and God's timing. And, uh, and I asked everybody in the rhetorical question, um, what would you do if you knew that Jesus would, was coming back in 12 days? You know, mm, that's good. If we knew, yeah. you know, this precisely. Yeah. Or, or, and then you can kind of apply it in the future, like 12 weeks, you know, 12 years. And, and that, and that I kind of highlighted the, the eager expectation that the first century church had in regards to Jesus mm. coming. And that's how they lived. And you can kind of see it. In, well, that's convicting because if, if, if we do what Jesus said, it's like he could be back tomorrow. So we should be ready tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, today. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is convicting. And to answer that question, what would you change? That kind of, yeah. is, that, that gap is revealed, you know. It just, it was kind of emotional for me and when I realized this, because as I started to read Second Peter, I kind of read it with a little bit of a new fervor. Because I realize these are kind of his last words in a way right. to the people that matter, the people he's been working with, the churches yeah. that he's been helping to start, people he's brought to Christ, yeah. you know, and and they're in danger, uh, and he, he he's going to let them know, but no, he doesn't mince any words. Let's put it that way, and that's what we find. Let's start with the one sixteen. We're going to read, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV, and Jeremy has a New King James version, and so he's going to read from that. So what we're going to do is going to split it up. I'm going to read for a few verses, and then. Uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to, it's a, it's a long section, but we feel like we won't really need to read it all, so we're going to do that. I'll read 16 through the end of the chapter of 1, Jeremy, and I'll have you pick up 2, 1, and read, if you would, through, um, uh, through verse 10. Okay. And then I'll pick up from there again. Okay, here we go. So, one sixteen, Second Peter. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and a voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, which the transfiguration. Mm -hmm. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from, the, from God as they, carried, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And chapter 2, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. <clears throat> and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if uh, God did not spare the angels who sin, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. In parentheses, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of, of dignitaries. Awesome. I'm going to start. I'm going to keep reading from verse 11. I'm back in the ESV. Okay. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. Suffering wrong is the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from, wrong, uh, from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boast of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise from freedom, promise them freedom, but they buy themselves... But they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved, 
For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit, and it's and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Wow. A lot there, man. Yeah, we forgot to pray, too. Oh, well, hey, won't you pray for us before we dive into this passage? Yeah. That's always a good idea. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> Heavenly Father God, we just um, thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we open it up uh, right now together um, in, in unity, um, God, we just pray for a spirit of revelation, mm. knowledge, and wisdom um, that uh, that you would just reveal yourself and make yourself known, known to us right now, God. Um, we just thank you and we love you for your word and... Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Awesome, man. Thank you. So um, what I want to do is I would like to uh, kind of lay out a little bit of an outline, and then we're going to just jump into some observations. And I want to hear from Jeremy more than, I want you to hear from Jeremy more than you hear from me, because I'll have a chance to kind of preach through a sermon. So, uh, But we're going to get diving into this text. It's a, it's a hard one, and there's a lot here um, in this last letter of Peter, if you will, uh, right before he dies that he writes. And so... Uh, here's kind of a little bit of the outline. One thing is, I started in 116 because he kind of starts with this, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths, which we made known to you. I, one, bigger, one big question, I think, is as we get into this whole discussion about false teachers, and, and, and note, false teachers, not false prophets, which is interesting. He changes the word. Yeah. Talking about Old Testament false prophets, but he says, now amongst us today are false teachers. Mm-hmm. That's a different word. Mm-hmm. But it's a it actually it's a but both of them are compound words. Uh, one is a, a pseudo prophetes, and the other one's pseudo the didache. You there's some sort like of form of di- teacher di- didact. There, there you go. The root. And so, when uh, so one reason I bring this up is because we're trying to figure out who are these false teachers and what exactly were they kind of accusing. And and Peter, you can kind of tell by Peter's defense what they were what he was defending. First thing he was defending was hey. Some of these guys are saying that we just made this stuff up about Jesus. Cleverly devised myths. It's just fables. Just stories that we just made up for our own sake and our own gain. It's not true. And he says, we were, I was at the transfiguration. I know not, not only, and the reason he brings up transfiguration, I think, is because what he's saying is, I know who this guy is. You know, I've seen him in his, own, in his glory. His own element, yeah. And I know he's going to come back in the same way, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, anyway, that's one th- thing. And the other thing I think, the more we're going to deal with mainly in chapter 2, is this idea that I, d- I think these false teachers were teaching, hey, there just, there just isn't going to be any sort of reckoning with God. You know, he's not going to judge us. Everybody, he's, everybody's, you know, you know kum, everybody's sing kumbaya because there's not going to be any sort of reckoning and, or any judgment. And, and Peter just like goes off on them and like, he's, that is not true. And he gives examples and everything. So... Uh, but but at the same time, he also says that those who are godly are going to be protected from that kind of judgment. Um, so I think in I think in part of that too, in that outline there, Jeremy. Before we get into observations, is that there's this whole section of where he's he's really laying out that these false teachers had a very uh, um, pre, how would you say a promiscuous lifestyle. They were all about money. They were about sex. You know, they they did whatever they wanted. And they actually were teaching others within the church even to do the same. That God, there's not going to be really any, you know, you don't have nothing to fear from God. That he's, he's not calling us to this, you know, this kind of lifestyle that keeps us away from these things. That, that we, this freedom that we have in Christ just gives us license to do whatever we want. So we're going to, we'll, we'll get into that. So let's uh, kind of look, look back then and uh, kind of roll through the text um, and Jeremy, just I'd love to hear any sort of observations. And let you start off. Well, my um, it's a real easy starting point for me is verse nineteen uh, because <clears throat> so there's basically three sections to this um, verse sixteen and uh, seventeen and eighteen and then nineteen. So, um, like you said, you um, highlighted the the myths for we did not follow cunningly devised fables. Um, and we may know to use the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> but we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. And like he said, he gives a, a great um, eyewitness account of, of Jesus and his glory. Mm. <clears throat> um, but what I love about this whole uh, passage as a, as a whole is that 
um, in verse 19, he compares that we also have the prophetic word made more sure. I love that because um, there are, uh, well, goodness, I know um, off the top of my head, I can can, uh, quote, there's at least 300 um, prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus' coming. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, and some of the ways that they, that they are fulfilled is, I mean, how can you, um, you know, be a, be a branch or a Nazarite, um, while living in Egypt, Yeah, but being born in the city of David. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And he fulfills all three, um, without, you know, while he was in his mother's room, womb, basically, you know, yeah. without beyond his control, so to speak. Um, that's just one very s- small snippet. Um, but what I love about that is that he's saying, I've seen, I've seen Jesus basically in the, like with, like wrapped in the glory of like Moses saw, you know, yeah. like I've seen God. So <laughs> on, I'm with on, Moses. <laughs> well, yeah, Moses and Elijah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and, and he's saying that, that doesn't even like that doesn't compare. That's how I see it. That, that that doesn't compare to the prophetic word, which which um you know we're made more sure by, right. Um, and what I like about that is is you know you get you get a feeling, you get an emotion with the transfiguration and the whole concept of experiencing that. Yeah. Um. But but digging into the word and realizing all those connections, kind of like what Tyler showed on Sunday. I've seen that graph before. It's awesome. yeah yeah yeah. Um, and those those are, are, um, not attached to emotions. Right. Uh, you know, that's scripture attached to scripture. Yes. Written, yeah. written years apart from each other with and, different authors yeah. and, and all the, all that. And, um, so, so, I, so in a way, Peter's kind of saying that I'm going to, Hey, in other words, he's given himself and the apostles and what they've been teaching the people at church here, these churches and these new, these new converts. He's saying, listen, we've got a lot of backing here. That we didn't make this stuff up. Right. We are eyewitnesses. We were with Jesus, all right, the, the one who was prophesied. And not only that, but there's all these prophecies about him. Yeah. You can look back and read. And not only that, but in the understand that in the Old Testament, even, even when these prophets were doing the work of the Lord, they were around a lot of false prophets. Right. <laughs> right. Who, who were trying to to take them away from the Lord, much like you are now around false teachers. So it's almost like he's setting them up. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. It feels like that to me. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, this what rings a bell real quick is the um, uh, when Jesus talks about the, the prophets and how they rejoiced to see this day. Mm-hmm. Um, um, no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's kind of setting them up, though, isn't he? I mean, it's, I mean Peter is kind of... Set him up in the sense that he's trying to say, "Listen, these these false teachers that we're getting ready to talk about, they don't have the backing we we have." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we talk to you about Jesus, and, and now they're going, they're trying to convince you of things that Jesus never taught. Right. You know, they're trying to tell you that the Christian life is supposed to be like this. You know, when it's not. I've got a question for you in re, in response to your outline about the um, like the freedom and the no reckoning. Yes. I can see. Like, I'm I'm wondering, are you? Just making inferences. It's, I should add my disclaimer that I was uh, I studied chapter three. <laughs> I know, which is my fault. I gave Jeremy the wrong <laughs> passage to study, like an idiot. But um, uh, so um, the are you making inferences? My question is: my, Are you making inferences yeah. to the because yeah, because I, he's I, saying like, look at all these examples of God's judgment that was passed right. down or right. you know over time. Um, right, they're not afraid of it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So why is why is it begs the question? Why is Peter citing all these? So that's what I mean. That's my question. Like, are, are you making inferences in response to to his? Yeah, citing? I think it's a pretty healthy inference. You yeah. know, because I think that what we're there's no word that says reckoning right. necessarily here. I'm using I'm actually using the same word that comes from uh, Peter David's who wrote a commentary on uh, on Second Peter. Uh, I believe that's a word he uses, if I remember right. I'm trying to remember. I've studied several things. But I, I think the thing is, it's a healthy inference because uh, because the judgment is throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Peter is saying, do you realize they, they don't even, it's like they don't get it, you know? And I think that if they don't get it, they're teaching other people that you can do whatever you want. There's, you know, there's not going to be any sort of, you know, and whether or not they're coming from a theological standpoint or just a lifestyle standpoint. Mm-hmm. In other words, they may not be teaching there's not going to be a reckoning, 
but the way they're living, it's as if there's no reckoning. Yeah. So by their lifestyle, they are leading people astray as if there's no reckoning from God. Yeah, they're falsely. Yeah. Falsely, um, like taking the Lord's name in vain almost by by not bearing by yeah. not bearing his image. And I do think a lot of this is based in their lifestyle and not just in some sort of theology. I don't think it's necessarily... Uh, the, the, the big theology here, in my opinion, is this uh, teaching of freedom and what freedom means in Christ and the fact that they were actually insiders. We talk about that in a little bit. but okay. Yeah, I, that's a good question. But I, I, I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of... On a, it's a practical inference, I think, from what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, yeah. yeah. What else? What? Uh, what else? That's good stuff. What about? What about as we get into chapter two? Because the transition from chapter one to chapter two is there's no prophecy produced by the will of man, but yeah. men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Bible, the Scripture, the inspired Word. But false prophets. This is the word prophets here. Also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And uh, so, in other words, he's comparing this. The Old Testament also had false prophets. I mean, we read about that. To Deuteronomy chapter 18 comes to mind. Um, Thinking of the 415. Jeremiah <laughs> comes to mind. The 450, that Elijah. Yeah, yeah Elijah and, uh, and the kings. Uh, in the kings. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many inferences in the Old Testament about false prophets. Some of the, Remember the uh, one with the uh, kings my, were going to go to war? Yeah, Mount. Micaiah. Micaiah. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I, I I don't like this guy. He never prophesizes in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> and so then he tells him what he wants to hear. He tells him what he wants to hear, and he's like, I, wait a minute. I don't like this either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't, yeah. Guy can't win. Yeah. But uh, he was basically, the Lord was allowing these false prophets to, these prophets to tell him false things. Right. And then they, they're punished in the end, you know, because they... But and it's it's really interesting the whole passage. But anyway, yeah, there's there's all sorts of allusions to to that. But he's comparing the fact that there were true prophets of God, but there were also false prophets of God. Much like today, there are true teachers like us, Peter and the apostles, and mm-hmm. there are false teachers, and that's what he leads into. Yeah, um, the reference I made earlier to Peter and Paul both like making the, like the swan song, you know, letters. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're both. Uh, Referencing that apostasy, apostasy the, the coming apostasy. <clears throat> um, you can tell it's... Yeah, Timothy about godlessness in the last days. and Right. And then uh, even... Uh, the people will bring up around teachers that, that, that will tickle their itching ears and not... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Jesus himself like talks about deception in Matthew 24 and the Olivet Discourse. Like it's like sprinkled throughout the whole passage about, de- about deception. Um, mm, watch out. Uh, I think he was even talking about right then, you know, like, well, yeah, that's uh, definitely that. in other words, we've had, we've always had him with us as I got the de- the devil's always had the same kind of ball game. Yeah. I don't think it's any, any um, surprise that he brings up the ex, the, uh, op, the uh, examples that he gives for, yeah. well, for some of the, the wickedness and godlessness. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about those in a second, but uh, um, I just thought of, um, talking about the application to today <clears throat> um, and th- like th- you can look at the seven letters to the churches um, that in, revelation in, in revelation two mm-hmm. and three um, and I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before but I think I have uh, if you in that order the seven letters um, serve as a prophetic backdrop to the history of the church so Ooh, start, yeah. starting with um, uh, and s- uh, the um, <clears throat> Uh, is that Ephesus, the first church? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm having a blank. That's uh, all right. The, uh, You're the talking apostles, about the, the, the apostles, like the first the first church, um, uh, apostolic church, the apostolic church. And then like the second generation um, with, when, with Smyrna, even like their names have a, have a meaning to it. So in Smyrna, um, that represents the uh, persecuted church, which that word Smyrna comes from like myrrh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the per, in Pergamum, the third church, um, which that that name also has allusions of mixing and marriage, and 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 that that. So each one kind of represents a history stage of history of the yeah, church so entirely. That one, that one would be the marriage of the church with the state, mm. and Constantinople, or, or not Constantine, um, whatever with Constantine, the, Constantine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and making that declaration. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. what Satan couldn't do with persecution, he was able to accomplish with with you know with mixing. You know, getting, with accepted by government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. the worst thing that happened to the church. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, he forced everybody to go in the church that people who weren't believers. Yeah. And a lot of corrupt believers, and then made it corrupt illegal. non-believers became priests. Yeah, and then yeah, because it was like illegal to read, the, to to build to, to have a copy of the Bible to read, right. you know, to teach Latin or whatever. <laughs> like the church made it illegal to to read the Bible. <laughs> yeah, because they, they want to have a monopoly, right? On it. Yeah. Um, and it goes on um, to through the missionary church. Um, and uh, there's a couple more. I always forget the ones in the middle. But um, the last one is the Laodicean church, and and that's lukewarm. The lukewarm, but but rich, rich. Yep. Um, and that is definitely easy to see. And you well, know, in our culture, it is. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I mean, yeah, you're right, and that's interesting. That there's kind of a little bit of a blueprint of history yeah. of the church. Yeah, in the, in that order though, too. Yeah. Like it doesn't work any yeah. other way. Excuse me, but the the reference to the apostate church that would be the name of the uh, you know the prophetic name of the of the last church and the letter, as far as the letters go. But the uh, and and yeah, like when we talk about apostate church, you read through a lot of these letters. You're talking about people who have been given in to teachers within their walls who are teaching them this kind of licentious. I can't say that word license. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, license <laughs> to do whatever they want. Right. You know, and and feel like you're your okay. best life now. Yeah, you're. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. Yeah, with you're okay. Yeah. So let's let's kind of hit if we can uh, these examples that he gives. Okay. Well, as we work our way through, you get we get to kind of tie a point to that. Uh, no, I've I, I've uh, actually there's a there's a, a a thread that goes through these. Okay. Gonna, uh, Yo, go ahead. Okay. Please do. I'm sorry I, I didn't mean, mean to interrupt you. No. I, I, as far as as far as what we just said, I just think that's a good. There's there's plenty of topics that we could go into is and for the service as, as examples yeah. uh, of apostasy you know brewing and, and some more innocuous and ambiguous than than others um, seemingly um, you know innocent yeah um, but dangerous yeah like like cleanliness is next to godliness like like there's just some some things that have been repeated so many times it's like oh that, that's not in the bible <laughs> you know what's well, fascinating because he he brings up a couple things that are real you know here verses one through three of things that are real important with these particular false teachers which you like you said are echoed throughout different passages concerning apostasy one is that they're among you, you know, that they they bring in destructive heresies and they even deny the master who bought them I, yeah. That's really fascinating. In other words, he's saying they were Christians, right? Yeah. And the master or Lord that bought them. Yeah, what, what, what verse is that? This is verse uh, This is verse 1, actually. Into verse 1. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. That's what I have in the ESV. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you, with false words. I, I'm going to hit this in the sermon. I, I don't want to say it here because I, it's a, kind of a major point in my sermon. But yeah. uh, it's just, the, the, these words he's using are all tied together. Um, but he's, he's, and then when he says their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep, it's almost like he's reminding how old these teachings are. Like this is coming from the devil himself. Yeah. You know? It just reminded me of that, as um, we talked about off air, about um, the, the Roaring Lion. You yeah, know, he yeah. talks about like he's not stopping. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's prowling. He's prowling. Yeah, that's good. Does not slumber. Um, and I think that's the spirit, you know, like the spirit of the age and the spirit of like. Well, was it? Was it have we got to the dignitaries yet? I had a question about dignitaries. Okay, that's later. Okay, well the that's the. Okay. Um, I'm trying my best to stay linear here. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> um, but. Uh, in the examples that he cites, there's yeah. there's one, and and then even I know there's. Let's, like, let's tell you what. Let's just name the examples real quick because okay. he talks about this, not you know that the destruction is not asleep, which to me kind of rings back to hey this this is old stuff, mm. new false teachers, but old teachings that have that come back from the devil in the pit, you know yeah. kind of thing, and and now he gives some examples. What are these examples? Okay, so we're talking about Genesis. Six is yeah. first. Yeah, the sons of God, yeah. which is basically the rebellious angels yeah. that came and had sex with women and 
you know, and yeah, said Genesis six continued the 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 war of the serpent cited in Genesis three fifteen. Yes, I will make put enmity between your seed and and you know the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Michael Heiser, who I like a lot, calls oh. it the second rebellion. Yeah, because you know, the first rebellion is the uh-huh. seed of the serpent. Yeah. The yeah. second rebellion is sons of God. Third mm-hmm. rebellion being the Tower of Babel. Yeah, and and the fact that you just said that it opens up a whole new. Uh, avenue for our discussion and, and as far as reference points goes oh, good because i know <laughs> i know the guy you're talking about so that's awesome um so yeah so genesis 6 um and then and then followed by the flood yeah genesis. the flood which is which follows right after that right right but uh he's talking about the wickedness but he but but noah is preserved in 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 this and the other seven yeah and then um and then what's the third example uh sodom and gomorrah yeah but uh, yet lot is saved right um, and I would, I would, if we're going to make those little footnotes, uh, Enoch is pulled out before oh, yeah. um, the flood too. Um, now here's the one thing we have to mention is he gives these examples, but <clears throat> there is so much of this that is coming. That's parallel to Jude. Yeah. Like Jude is almost word for word on some of these things. Yeah. Uh, but it, he says the things in a little bit of a different way. Uh, but I'll tell you what, we'll read that in a little bit. Okay. But, uh, yeah, keep going. So, so then, um, well, then, it, yeah, it talks about Lot being taken out. Did you already say that? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we have, there is, there is like a coinciding example of somebody being spared in each one of these. Um, but then it, then it follows up with Balaam, right? That's the last one. Well, the, yeah, later on, he gives these three examples, and right. then he kind of sums up why he, what he's talking about, which, which comes from a verse about nine. Okay. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Yeah. So what's he saying kind of overall, do you think? Well, the, the thread that I see, and in, in, it's kind of summed up in verse 10, is the strange flesh. Mm. Um, I know it's kind of it's kind of under, underneath the sheets a little bit, but um, you have... Um, I don't, I don't know exactly what strange flesh means all the time, if it always means the same thing. This is in I, the in KGV? Um, strange yeah, flesh. Yeah, it's not in What verse pa- is that? It's, well, it's not in this passage, I don't think. Strange flesh. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but perhaps if you indulge me for a moment. Um, no, that's fine. You're, you're, you're making a reference. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Genesis 6. Um, yeah, Genesis six, sons of God passage. Uh, boy, he is in your flesh. No. Um, one, it's somewhere in one through four. Uh, no, I guess not. Uh, That's okay. All flesh had so God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Yeah. The end of all flesh has come. Yeah, because um, the sons of God mixed with the. Right. Women and then the. Well, that's my point. Taught them evil, basically. Yeah, is is i I guess I'm not recalling where that um that particular phrase strange flesh um is I, I, so I won't go into more about it but there um to me it means foreign or alien or yeah. or uh, unlike yeah. and, and and that is definitely um exemplified in the angels mixing with yeah. the son you know the daughters of adam um in, in that sense it's strange flesh i would and like then, to have a podcast just on that for a while for because sure. i think a lot of us people around here don't haven't really i mean michael heiser's really opened my eyes to a lot, yeah. a lot of things that, that uh, to understand that passage yeah. also is poured permeated throughout the whole exactly old so, and new testament right the whole narrative yeah. is better understood it's better understood why every man woman and child had to be wiped out in certain you know, in certain villages. Well, the other fascinating thing about it to me, and this is what I would love to explore a little bit more sometime, is have the parallels, not only the parallels, but the direct connections, if you will, to uh, older stories, Babylonian stories, oh, Mesopotamian yeah. stories, yeah. stories that come from all these false religions and false gods are connected to these rebellious angels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, almost some, of them, almost some of them extremely directly. Yeah. You know, so it's just really fascinating. Well, but he gives these he gives these examples. But the ultimate example is what are, what are these examples for? Is to show how God is going to deal with these false teachers. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, um, uh, be remiss not to do the Sodom and Gomorrah in strange flesh with with the oh. angel with the angels. Yeah. Uh, going into town and and there being 
eyed up by the, the local the men calling yeah. them out to yeah. have sex with them. Yeah, which is another example of, of strange flesh. Like they're going after yeah. strange flesh. Now, I, I um, originally, I think, at some phase in my understanding, I, I, I um, looked at that as, as like a homosexual bent. You know, that's the strangeness of it. And that may be as well. But it's but, also because they're angels. But because they're angels. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, definitely that. So there's so there's this that's the thread. So he uh, says in Sodom and Gomorrah there was great wickedness and Lot uh, really was t- really got sick of it. He he had a hard time living there and you know the whole thing's fascinating with me with Lot because he's an interesting character but but what, what is Peter's point overall? So so the like um bringing up the the strange flesh. Yeah. I like it's been a big deal for me recently too, as far as a, a paradigm shift, um, and how I understand the Bible. Right. Um, yeah, it, it opens up a world when you kind of get a, you, you know, what Heiser calls it's a Deuteronomy thirty-two worldview, yep. which is tied to Genesis six, yep. uh, tied to Psalm eighty-two, yep. or some others. And and it, I tell you what, and I I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be uh, dismissive, but, but that's a whole other podcast we should get into yeah. <laughs> sometime. Yeah. Because uh, we could really go bananas on the strange right. flesh oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. I think the thing, his his thing here, though, it's like First Peter, if you remember, I just preached a sermon on baptism, and he, and he brings up the Enochian, Enochian uh-huh. idea of the, the, the prison, the spirit of the angels. Yep. He brings it up again here in Second yeah. Peter. So yeah. there's, there's ties here to the exact what he was talking about in First Peter, but now he brings it up in a different context. It's not baptism. And spiritual warfare in that regard. It's false. But now it's about false teachers and okay. and just and so it it seems it's pretty obvious where he's headed, right? I mean the the anyway the um, the examples that he gives he he sums it up really well there towards the end that that he will keep he, the same God who's going to punish the wicked and keep them in destruction is the same God who's going to save the righteous. This is really similar. First Peter. Uh, when we're talking about baptism, because remember he said he saved Noah through the water. Mm-hmm. Remember I talked about how that meant, to me anyway, that the water, the same water that buried the wicked is the same water that saved Noah. Uh, the Red Sea, which is yeah. mentioned in Jude. Yeah. The Red Sea, when it was parted, saved God's people, but the same water destroyed yes. the wicked Pharaoh and his people. So you you kind of, he's saying that this is a, this God, You can there's a history, long history of him destroying the people who've been wicked, <laughs> destroying the the ones that have been false teachers. And he's going to, if you will just hold your ground, he's going to save you through it. Just like, just like no one, just like Lot. So let's, let's uh, kind of pick up from, uh, I want to get some more of your observations, Jeremy, as we move on through the text, because he, 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 he then he goes into talking about angels. Yeah. Well, there is one more observation before we get to that point. Sure, that sure. In verse 8, for that righteous man, you kind of hinted at it a moment ago, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's a very applicable um, yeah. know, verse for today. How with, we should be in our world. Yeah, with with all the easy access and, and you know, all the screen time that we get and, and all the... Does it make us sick? Yeah. Or does it not? Yeah. And I, yeah. Um, it's just so prevalent and ubiquitous that it's, it's like, it'll, it'll bite you, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Cause we live in a world that definitely is uh, secular in the sense of, especially in its views of money and sex, which is a lot of these false teachers seem to have a lot of freedom with. And uh, not only that, not just freedom, but uh, also just flat out wickedness. They were more about cared more about those things than they did about God. Yeah, I'm going back to verse one. Who will secretly bring in their destructive heresies? Um, and meaning will follow their destructive ways. And he says they're bold and willful. This is verse ten. Uh-huh. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. Well, and then he goes in. Talk, he calls them animals. Well. Uh, Talk about the false teachers. Yeah, um, yeah. There's the well, bef- kind of before you get to that. In uh, verse eleven, uh, reminds me of the the body of Moses um, quarrel between 
Michael and and Jude. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, how how even? I mean, I don't know if you want to go there now yet, but um, well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and read Jude because uh, you almost have to because yeah. there's so much in common. Jude is only a one chapter book. Uh, it's a it's a really short book, uh, but uh, we're going to. Yeah, we're going to, I'll tell you what, I'll pick up from about verse, um, yeah, five. Jude yeah. says, now I want to remind you, although you were once fully, fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt outward destroyed those who did not believe. That's what we were talking about just a minute yeah. ago. Yeah. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling he is, and I'm guessing these are rebellious angels. He has kept an eternal change under under chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. We talked about that in First Peter. Yeah. yeah. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual morality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example of uh, by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Uh, my my uh, NK <laughs> NKJV NKJV. Um, uh, having given themselves over to sexual morality and gone after strange flesh. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what it is. That's yeah. what it's in Jude. Yeah. Uh, and so yet in a like manner, these people also rely on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. That's exactly what we just read in Second Peter. Yeah. Almost. You know, almost word for word. Yeah. But, but when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all day that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they like. Unreasoning animals, here we mm, go, yep. understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain. He gives examples. The way of Cain abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, which we find Balaam in Second Peter, mm-hmm. and perished in Korah's rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are hidden reefs or, or uh, uh, blemishes at your love feast. They feast with you without fear. That's also in Second Peter. Shepherds feed him on themselves. Waterless clouds, that's in Second Peter. Swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting foam with their own shame, wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And that's also. So, I mean, yeah, he's pulling this out of Enoch, you know, some that Michael and the body of Moses. And mm-hmm. people say, well, I've never read that before. Is that, that's is because that Enoch or is that I'm not tradition? so sure. I'm, you know what? I can't directly. I, okay. I, I could have swore I read that it was out of Enoch. But um, either way, it's out of uh, other writings outside right. the Bible is referring to. Right. But his point is not about Michael and uh, right. the devil. Right. His point is about how Michael didn't even rebuke the devil right. in that situation because that is reserved for God. Yes. Yeah. He's not arrogant enough. But yet, the devil and his cohorts and these false teachers that Peter is talking about. Uh-huh. They are arrogant enough yeah. to assume that they have authority. Yeah, and the, the the authority thing is, I think, is is a is a recurring theme too. Um, yes, it is. I have a little anecdote that I I, I am compelled to share just because. Please do. Uh, I was talking um, to the pastor at, at Christ Church about this today, um, and uh, so I won't. I just got to figure out where to jump in, but. Um, we're we're talking about we're talking about the um, <clears throat> the temptation of Christ. Yeah, um, and this this passage um, uh, here in Jude and the one that we just read in um, in verse eleven in Second Peter, where uh-huh. angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Right, it's like the word for word. Uh, yet Michael the archangel and continued with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, um, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." Yeah. Um, and I was trying to kind of, we were talking about, um, you know, uh, in con- like we were talking about the temptations of Christ and, and, and how much of that took place in the garden of Gethsemane and, and mm. how much of that took place in the desert and whether it stopped or not. It was just speculation. Right. But um, in, um, in reference to the desert temptations, the three temptations of, of the devil, um, it's, it, Jesus is kind of, also behaving in that same manner um and uh to put it in context of how the devil works in his playbook you know the very first recorded words of 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 satan in the bible are did god say Mm. and and yeah yeah. and in battling 
you know, these temptations with, with Satan, Jesus literally says what these false teachers are doing. Yeah. Well, did, yeah. Did pervert, God say? Pervert, yeah. Did God yeah. say? And and what's Jesus? Well, we know that Eve, her response was to like to make stuff up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like add to the word a little bit. Like I don't know. I think she was just kind of put on the spot. You know, maybe perhaps, but I won't get into that. Um, but uh, Jesus was said. Jesus literally said, you know, and God said, you know, he mm-hmm. he's speaking the truth, um, and and you know, using scripture to do it. But you know, I just find that interesting that uh, Satan is questioning. You know, that's his modus operandi. Did God say? And he's even using scriptures and in in the temptations of Jesus, um, and 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 Jesus is firing back with the truth. You know, in in proper context and, mm-hmm. and literally um, adding the claim. The claim. But God said, mm. you know, and I feel like that's that's similar to this this Michael thing and and and, and what Peter's things. doing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, mm. um, you know, and we even have you know we have the prophetic word made more sure. You know, we we have the word. Well, it's, it's it's interesting because the, the, spirit, the, the angels, the good angels that that are with God, don't. What he's saying, what Peter's saying, what Jude is saying, in my opinion, is that they don't even claim that authority. Right. That they have a fear of God. They realize the authority is his to judge. And so they don't even do that. But yet these these people feel like they have authority. Yeah. They, they have positions that they are not entitled to, you know. So there's a dichotomy being brewed up here. Yeah, and he's trying to, he's trying to, and he, he, I mean, talk about this language. I mean, good night. They're like irrational animals, creatures of instinct. They're just born to be caught and destroyed. You know, they're like, they're like these, in, back in that day, I mean, we look at animals a little bit differently than they did back then, but even like dogs and these pigs that we have here later on, they were looked at as unclean and wouldn't have, people wouldn't have much to do with them, you know? Yeah. So, um, so we, we, we kind of have a more liking to animals than they did back then, but they saw them as very utilitarian. You know, they're here just to kill. They're here just for offerings, and, and they're also here for, you know, to for certain people to eat or whatever. But I, th- I think the thing is, is like he's saying that these false teachers are really the animal. I mean, he's really getting into some, I mean, he's really calling them out, you know, and even says they revel in the daytime, you know, they, they're blots and blemishes. And, and here, and here's the thing. And he says, they even feast with you. And remember what Jude said? He said, uh, love feast. Yeah. Oh, that interesting. So love feasts were the early Christian uh, gatherings and they would have communion together okay this is something beyond my my scope here yeah teach me <laughs> no i just it, it's uh, lo- the word love feast was uh-huh. used quite often when we're talking about fellowship of the early church uh-huh talking in, in love feast the reason it was called love feast was not just because they ate together but because they took communion together too uh-huh. and so i think what peter's saying here is that some of these false teachers are among you yes. they're even taking communion with you right 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 you know <clears throat> yeah they're feast with you without fear serving only themselves yeah they are clouds without water. That, that's, that's oh, yeah. There you go. And that comes yeah. from Jude too, right? Yeah. And what is and what does that mean? You talk about desert a while with a temptation. Uh huh. Well, in the Old Testament, what was the desert? Uh, the wilderness. Symbolic of wilderness. The uh, chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Where demons dwelled. Right. You know. Right. Heiser makes a really good point about that. Yeah. It's yeah. where demons. In other words, the desert is used. I'm, I think of Jeremiah 17 right away, mm. where it says that. He who trusts in the Lord is like a tree that's planted by the water, but he who doesn't trust in the Lord is like in the desert with nothing, waterless place, a waterless. So when he says waterless, and that mist actually means blackened or darkened, driven by a storm, you know, they're just full of darkness, and they are full of no water, which means no God. Yeah. uh, Back in Jude, there are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, Twice dead, <laughs> twice Pull, dead, pulled up by the roots. You know, yeah. in contrast, which to goes the, back to Jeremiah seventeen yeah, in right, a way. Yeah, right. that's so good. Yeah, but it's it's just so crazy how I don't know how I think I don't know if Peter can find words that are worse than these. You know what I mean? Well, that was Jude technically. Yeah, I'm in Jude, but 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 I mean, why are they going so much to this length? Because they're really this is how evil and how corrupt and how much of a danger. Right this teaching is and what is that teaching and I, I'm, I'm sorry i'm trying to move us kind of along before we because well uh, that's where i'm at now too and we got about 30. 10 minutes left and we we need to as we, as jeremy what do you think about let's look like verses uh 14 
yeah, 14 and on. But, I'm, you know, as we get down to 22 here, yeah. the whole chunk, there's a lot here. Um, well, I see real quick in 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cannot cease from sin. Um, and this is right before we talked about Balaam and the whole... the whole Yeah. Um, uh, the donkey uh, thing. Arc, well, the Ark of Balaam, though, because um, uh, he's also referred to in Jude, um, is... He, he was it, put to death eventually by the Israelites yeah. because of... Of, of his sins, he was greedy, and he was he went out to get his own way. And, right, but before that, he he misled the people in in, in adultery, basically, mm-hmm. um, in fornication. You know, with with yeah, with, with outside. He sided with uh, some foreign right people that were bringing in false teaching. Yeah, and, and uh, the donkey actually spared his life in that story in right. particular because right. the angel was going to kill him because <laughs> yeah. because of how greedy he was. And but, eventually, the Israelites did kill him. Yeah. But having uh, eyes full of adultery, uh, that's like in order to be an adulterer, you have to have inside. You have to have an inside track, and I, uh, I think it goes to your point that you just made a moment ago um, about the among they're among you. These false teachers are among mm, you. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, covenant's practices are. It is adultery in that regard. They're full of adultery. They're insatiable. It says, you know, I, they're, they're just. But here, what are they? It's it. He just seems like he's calling them out that their freedom. What is it? The, the freedom verse. It's a verse uh, nineteen. Do you mind reading that? Yeah, I'll start on eighteen real quick. For when they so now I'm getting the context. Yeah. Um, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they are lured through the lusts of the flesh through licen, licentiousness. There it is. <laughs> you could say it. There, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error, um, and then verse nineteen. While they promised them liberty okay there's a quite a bit more than an inference while they promise them liberty they themselves are slaves of corruption yeah they promise them freedom or liberty for yeah for by whom a person is overcome or what or overtakes him um by him also he is brought into bondage um, and what do you think that's talking about well i'm curious as to the 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 slave and bondage words there like is it doulos do you know because aren't there different or, or is that is that a oh yeah do loss for yeah I know what you're talking about for a slave uh-huh. um, I'm not really sure I have to I have to look that up okay huh? okay well then let's don't get into it then because it, um, it could be the same word and it doesn't <laughs> I think it probably is I think it probably is slaves of corruption it's more it's it's more interested in what you're a slave of uh-huh. and, you know you know how Paul talks about in Romans about either a slave to sin or you're yeah. a slave to God yeah it's not like you. Or no one's ever really right. totally free right. in that regard. And he uses Romans six one. Remember that? How yeah. do you, can you quote that one? Uh, I know you can. Um, uh, so what then? Shall we uh, abound in 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 sin uh, to make grace abound? Is that right? If grace abounds, should we? Just because grace abounds does not give us the reason. I'm kind of putting my words. But <laughs> just because grace. What shall is, we say then? Yeah. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? There you go. Mm. Yeah. In other words, in other words, that's not that's not why Jesus freed us, and, and not only that, but we're not totally free. We're His slaves. Yeah, and He's saying that. Listen, no one's totally free. So even if they say you can do whatever you want and God's not going to punish you, they are enslaved by the things that they are right that by the over, that doing, overtake them. The yeah. sins. Uh, I've got another anecdote that literally had you know conversations today about, and real simple about the the Ten Commandments. And about their their role as guideposts, and this um, I think I heard on the radio, um, this pastor uh, uses uses the story of um, when he uh, took his daughters to the Grand Canyon, and and or it was actually Pikes Peak, and uh, they get to the top, and they start you know, one of his girls starts running to the edge of this cliff, and you know he yells at her to stop, you know, mm-hmm. and and literally keeps her from going, and and he in that moment. Technically, you know, from one perspective, you could say he's he's um, halting her freedom. He's he's limiting her capacity for liberty, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but to what end? To the end that that she might have continued breath and life, you know. Um, so, uh, and he's making that point um, as the the Ten Commandments serve as a guardrail to yeah. keep us, to, yeah, to give to give us a chance it makes you ask the question: What really is freedom? Yeah. What do we mean by that? And these false teachers, what do they mean by that? What do you think they meant by freedom? Yeah, I think I think if you want to talk about today, 
because now, like I said, now I'm starting to get the whole picture here, the context. Um, and you have a spirit of the age um, that is transitory mm-hmm. or transient. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, impatient um, and alluring, you know, with, with, with covet- covetousness. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know like we, we read these words quite often. Yeah. And sometimes they're they're more drab than others, but like right in this precise moment right now, I'm I, in all this context. I'm it's just it's um, uh, it's, it's ringing a bell. Um, yeah. Uh, and and specifically in regards to the, to the spirit of this age, and and if you're gonna link it to the false teachers, yeah. Um, that this freedom, quote unquote, that they're you know that they're talking about and what they're espousing. Is the same. We have the same teachers today. Yeah, and I think it's not. They're not they literally justify your sins. Yeah, and I don't know if they're, that they're literally behind the pulpit going, "Okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna teach you how to carouse and get away with it," or or like like. Um, yeah, I'm not so sure that Peter's even making a case of doctrine here. I think he's making a case of lifestyle. I think he's saying these guys are wicked, and they're leading you astray by their lifestyle. Mm. And some of them are teaching false things. But they're making money off of it. Well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're teaching false things, and they're getting women out of it. They're, you know, and they're, and they're, in other words, and they're telling you it's okay. See, so there is a little bit of doctrine, but most part of it, I think, is this sort of lifestyle that's been the. It's almost like the practice here is what he's. And so I, I think sometimes we, when we think of false teachers, we think of constantly. Uh, people who are in positions of power that or authority who are giving us instruction. Uh-huh. But most of the instruction people live by, they get from their friends. Right. They get from people, the, see, you know, you they get from the media. Right. They, they get the, from the things that, that, that go into their, yeah. You know, junk in, junk out. Like the, the lot, right. the lot reference earlier. They get it from people by. who practice the, the ways of the world. You know, we, we, a lot of, you ever heard that? I know you know this as a teacher. Most things are caught, not taught. Right. And I think that's, I think that's what he's referring to a lot here is, is how wickedness is caught, not taught in a lot of ways. And it's, it's taught too. Don't get me wrong, but it's Well, both. did you, did you want to follow up that earlier, um, uh, I don't know, uh, the, the difference between teachers and prophets? Like you, well, seemed, you seemed intrigued by it, but uh, I was intrigued there... that I think that he doesn't use the word prophet because I think he's, I think he, he in a way, was dif- trying to differentiate the Old Testament true prophets from the teachers of the of the day and age. That he doesn't consider them prophets. You know, I and I think that's interesting because the the false teachers of the day. Well, I tell you what. I'm actually going to dive into this in some of my sermons, so I kind of okay. want to avoid a little bit of it. But okay. I, I, we're, we're coming up, and we really need to kind of wrap things up. So I'll tell you, here's, yeah. what, here's what we're going to do. Um, at the end here, he basically says, uh, as we get to verse 22, um, he basically says that they are leading new believers astray, and the, some of them are getting entangled uh, again in the very sins that they had left for the sake of Jesus. And and he says, better off you just never even knew about it than to know Jesus, know His goodness, know His, you know uh, the holy commandment, mm. and, and and then go away from it. It's better off, you know, better off if you just didn't know to begin with. But he says, but then again, the dog returns to his vomit, and a sow, after being clean, while it was in the mire, you know, he's one of them is a proverb, right? Mm-hmm. What does a proverb say? Do you know? I think it's twenty six. Yeah, I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere. It's, uh, but it's as a as a dog returns to his vomit, so does a fool to his folly, right? Yes, so does a fool to his folly. Yeah, as a dog so returns. He's, yeah. he's bringing your your memory back to that, but also uh, the sow is not is not from the proverbs. It's actually just a Greek saying that was kind of probably famous at the time, mm. and it had the same kind of meaning. So they both have the same kind of meaning, and he uses two unclean animals that echoing back earlier in the chapter. So. Um, What's he saying then when the dog returns to his vomit? What's he saying about these false teachers? I think I think it, it's kind of consistently he's kind of saying that they were believers, right? At one point. 
Okay, so like, um, uh, like with Paul talks about, um, uh, I, I, I do what I don't want to do. Yeah, I'm warring with my flesh at all times. Like, yeah, but these are people who who turn their back on the truth entirely. But then, but, but they were believers, and that's what he. Why, that's why he's saying, "Was it better off if you just didn't believe at all?" You know, and, and to, to talk about blaspheming. You know, talk about slandering. Yeah, and you're and slandering Jesus. Event. You're yeah. tarnishing his reputation. You're slandering Christianity. You're tarnishing Christianity because of the way that you're living. You just decided that you know better. You're in position of authority. You are so arrogant. You're a fool. I see. See all these words that are coming out. It's just huge. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say. One thing I want to say, I guess, as we kind of start to tie up, is I think about today, man, and I just can't help but think that. Would we say these kinds of words to people? <laughs> it, it, it. But yet our but yet our environment is so much like this. But you're saying we won't we won't say it face to face. We don't think it's that wicked. Right. We've become desensitized that's, that's to kind of what's what I was wicked. Trying to allude to earlier, um, and that it's so ubiqu when I said ubiquitous and, and, and just pervasive and so second nature at this point that it, that it's glossed over and um, and yet it's almost more damaging because it's like, it's like a parasite even that tacks on to our, our train of thoughts and, and it's, um, like infecting, infecting those thoughts in ways that we don't, aren't, aren't privy to, aren't conscious of, and, and therefore don't, don't, uh, you know, prepare, prepare ourselves against, yeah. against those thoughts. And, and I think and it's the same ways. two things that he keeps pointing out with the false teachers and their freedoms. Money and sex. It's the same today. But I, I think there's, that we just become so desensitized. And there's a and third we, one we've too. justified things. The, licen the, licen the licentiousness, <laughs> I can say it a second <laughs> time. Like the, free, like the, the perceived free freedom, and, which I know is a big deal in, yeah. in America. Yeah, and I, th I think they were exercised these freedoms to do whatever they wanted to gain money and to gain sex. You know, to, to do these kinds of things they wanted to do and justify it. And say, well, God's not, you know, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of you. You know, and it's like, and Peter's saying, um, no, he destroys that kind of wickedness. So what makes these false, you know? what makes the, them false is the fact that they are believers. Like that's kind of your underlying point. Yes. Right. I mean, cause you could talk about, you could, you could talk about, um, they're at the worldly love, people. They're at the love feast with you. Yeah. You could talk, you, you could talk about, um, people of the world and, and, and brandish them these things and, and yet it wouldn't be um, misrepresentation and it wouldn't be even a, a foul thing because like, that's what they, that's what they are. Right? Yeah. But the, the thing that makes this so uh, um, relevant, no, um, just dastardly. Oh, um, I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, is the fact that they are believers or at least proclaimed believers or yeah. at least believers at one time and that it's coming from the inside out. Yeah. I think Peter's in his last words, trying to warn the church this is the biggest thing you got a war against yeah yeah and if i want to say it's, it's a it's letting the devil schemes and right into right into your house yeah um yeah tie yeah. this up for us jeremy we'll, well i i think the the uh, whenever i um confessed earlier or or shared earlier that um you know as far as a paradigm shift goes and in, in my in my walk and in my understanding um and and uh, all the the, the the assured word of, of God and the prophetic nature of it and and I'm confident in in those 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 passages referring to our church in the present um, day and age as an apostate church <clears throat> so if these are characteristics and and this is what Peter and Paul both saw at the end of their life when they're whether that veil is thin, you know, and mm -hmm. they're on, they're almost on that other side and they have that spirit of revelation and knowledge. And it's like at the tip of their tongues and they have that, that insight and that awareness. Um, and if this is what they're saying was, if not, in fact, they're already at least coming and, and, and at the appropriate time, which would be, mm -hmm. you know, according to my understanding of scriptures and, and the revelation, um, you know, in the end, it's going to be an apostate church and if we're living in that time. So mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like for no for no no other reason other than just the fact that God's God's word is is um, 
you know, it forecasted for us. Like, I believe that, that just for that reason, yeah. <laughs> that, that it's happening in, 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 in that. Prophesied this too. It, yes. What we see today. And I, yeah. I think that you're right. And I think the good news is this, as we kind of end, is that Noah was saved and his family. Yeah. Lot was saved. And the same God who dishes out the destruction for the wicked is the same one who rescues the godly. So stay true. Stay true. We're going to talk more about that in the sermon. But, hey, this was a long one, and uh, we're over an hour, and Jeremy and I had a lot of fun doing it, so we didn't feel like it was an hour. No. However, I know it's long for maybe some of you that are listening, but understand, too, that we had a lot of Scripture to kind of catch up on here. And I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to narrow this down in a sermon. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm starting to sweat that it could be too long, but I'm going to try to shorten it a lot. But uh, hopefully this supplement is a supplement. That's why we go long. We can take our time with it and go through the, the passage as a supplement for you. So we hope that you enjoy it. Does you some good. Thank you so much for being a student of God's Word and hanging with us through hope with us scattered. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Darren. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.